The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello to our dope village. I'm Julie Fowdy. She's Lynn Ozawi. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Julie. Lynn, I am super excited for this week's guest because one, she is a rad human, and two, you know where I'm going with this. She comes from the fine institution of Stanford University. This podcast has had quite a few cardinal on it. Yeah, I wonder why. Such a coincidence. This is our first Stanford basketball player, though. Is it? Mm-hmm. We picked one of the all-time greats. Yes, we did. So let's get to it. Our guest is WNBA superstar Neka Agwumake. She attended Stanford University, as I just said, leading the Cardinal to four Final Fours and finishing as the second all-time leading scorer. Neka was then drafted number one overall in the WNBA in 2012 by the Los Angeles Sparks. She would go on to win a WNBA championship in 2016. That same season, she was named WNBA MVP. And then NECA was elected president of the WNBA Players Association as well in 2016. And this past year, she was crucial in negotiating a game-changing collective bargaining agreement, which we'll, of course, talk about. She has won the WNBA's Kim Parrott Sportsmanship Award twice. That will make a lot of sense during this episode's game. And she might just be, we might as well say it, Len, the first female president of the United States of America. You heard it here first. You heard it here. So get comfortable listening. It's Neka Agumake. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. We could go quickly go around and I'm stealing this from Brene Brown's podcast where you give two words of how you're doing this morning. Oh, that's good. That's different. We've never started like that. Like I said, stealing, stealing from Brene Brown, not my original idea. I guess she does that at the beginning of meetings with her team. Oh, that's cool. Who wants to start? Not oh. go. Me? Um, mm-hmm. <sighs> productive and I can really only, I mean, productive and I guess agenda-driven. Oh, that's three words, Neka. 
hyphenated. Hyphenated, hyphenated. yeah. <laughs> Productive before noon is always a good thing. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I, I love waking up early. What time mm. do you get up? Depends. It's It depends on like what kind of workout day I'm having. So today I woke up at six, but mm-hmm. between 5.30 and seven. Julie, do you have two words? Uh, it's going to be three. A little frantic. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Kids are back in school, shipping them off. Get the hell out. This is, it always creates a little bit of friend. I did get my run in early at seven with my friend. That's always good. That's it's good. like my sanity if I, got, if I don't get my run in. Lynn, two words. Ear infection. <laughs> how awesome is that but you have a cute background yeah the backdrop works it balances it out maybe let's do this let's do it okay all right Neka. what we always do when we start the podcast is we have you set the scene where you are what you're doing set the scene sure Um, I am in Houston, Texas, hometown, in my house, and it's post-bubble season, in full swing prior to elections, and (laughs) the work that I've been doing since negotiating the CBA is certainly still at the same level of energy after negotiating a bubble season, so yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the good news is you're not off to Russia or Poland or China or anywhere else, right? You're staying in the off season. Yes, I'm staying. And I would say that based on how this year has gone, it is good news, but I was sad when I couldn't, I was supposed to go to China last year um, before everything happened. And I was actually looking forward to it. I like going overseas. Yeah, I like going overseas. I'm I'm very, I'm like a very independent, I can be by myself. And so like, I like, I, I, I thrive naturally when I'm overseas, but um, right now, no, you're right. It's good news that I'm not there. Cause I, I don't think I could have made it. I mean, that's a lot though. You would go from five months of your season to seven mm-hmm. months, right? In Russia, for example. With- oh, well, let, let me clarify. You're correct. So I couldn't do that. I couldn't do the 12 months anymore. I had, I had like, I had entered the phase in my career where I was doing like half seasons. Oh, gotcha. Cause when you, when I heard you say that and you had two weeks off total for the year that you did for many years, I I don't know how you sustain that. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. We all do it. And then like, um, depending on where your career is going, you can keep doing it. Some people, um start doing like half seasons where you go like after the new year up until like the WNBA season so that's kind of like where I was at I had started doing that the year before um and I was going to do it again but then 2020 yeah 2020 (laughs) is right right (laughs) I feel like that's like everything but then 2020 happened then 2020 Okay, okay. I, I feel like we must then set the scene as well for the Wubble. There was so much discussion about it. I, I am, and I know Lynn is as well. We are dying to hear what life was like inside the Wubble. It was, it was a bubble or Wubble, you know? Yeah, like maybe we, we should explain for, because we have some, we have a lot of listeners that aren't hardcore sports people. What, why it okay. was called the Wubble? Okay, it was called the Wubble because it's the WBA bubble. And so, um, we wanted to create, I guess like it, it kind of manifested because both bubbles were in Florida. And so you had the bubble and the wubble. Um, yeah, and we were in Bradenton, which is like about a 45 minute drive from Tampa um, at IMG Academy. And that's where we were um, for three, three-ish straight months. So yeah. What was a day in the life in the wubble? Uh, so a typical day, um, let me take you through like a game day. Cool. So, yeah. <laughs> so 
each day you get your schedule, mm, I would say daily or weekly. So there's no way of having a calendar for the month. And that is because we got tested every single day we're there. So I got tested about 70 times. Um, Yeah, we got tested every single day we were there. And um, also based on game scheduling, your team would either practice or shoot around at a different time each game depending on what time your game was, depending on what time they broadcast your games. And so uh, for the better part of the season, you know, us, Phoenix, Vegas, Seattle, like we normally had the later slots because we're all Pacific time. And so our games were usually, we usually had the nine o'clock, 10 o'clock games. So um, on a typical game day, you know, you wake up, eat breakfast, depending on what your testing time is. Usually on a game day, your testing time is going to be in between shoot around and the game. So um, get ready, whatever, and you do your thing. For us, there were times when shoot around was optional because you're really you're literally playing every other day. Um, but when shoot around wasn't optional, um, you can hop on your bike, hop on the tram, or ask for a ride from one of the one of your staff members on the golf cart to go to the practice facility. We lived, and by we I mean me, Simone, and Candace, we lived walking distance from the practice facility. Um, there were four courts. So at any one time, there's four teams out there. Um, and you're never in the same building as the team you're playing against the next day. So you're probably warming up with a team whose game is like an hour before yours. Hmm. So you go to shoot around, do all that. If testing is immediately after shoot around, you go to the hotel, um, and get tested, figure out your meal, come back, um, chill, pregame, nap, all that stuff get ready for the game. And so everybody's game day is the same. You're either getting picked up at the hotel or at the lodge. Um, And so we were at the lodge. So our bus would always come after. They would scoop everybody else on the um, west side of campus, come and get us. And the bus takes you outside of campus on like a 25 minute ride to Feld, which was where we played. And so that was an event space that they turned into two courts um, six locker rooms, you go there, you play. Uh, most times we were the third game. So we're watching one of the games on, on, the, on the TV in our locker room until our game is, until that game is over. And before you can go on the court, there's about like a 15 to 20 minutes of like sanitizing the court. Huh. So the game is played, you can't really warm up. So we're just warming up in our locker rooms. Once that game is over, if you're the third game, you have to wait another 15 minutes from the sanitizer court. And then you can go out there and warm up. Um, then you play. And then, of course, usually 10 o'clock game, we would finish by like midnight. So mm-hmm. we would have put our orders in before we left that day. And when we got back to the hotel, we scoop all of our food. And if you're at the lodge, if you're at the hotel in the villas, you get off the bus. If you're at the lodge, you get back on the bus. And they drive you back <laughs> to where you're at. And then you so do it all like, over again. I'd say rinse and repeat. <laughs> rinse and repeat. I was trying to give you guys a good visual. So... Yeah. Wow. Sounded structured, quite structured. Oh yeah. It was incredibly structured. Um, I could, it's funny because like, I could tell you how to get to IMG to fell. Like, you know, I could tell you how without even knowing where I was at because we took the same way there, same way back. And the best part about the ride is that you get to ride over a bridge and there's water. Like you get to ride over a bridge and there's water. And so like that, those were our moments of like outside life. Oh my so- God, water. <laughs> there's water. It's like Groundhog um, Day, yeah. huh? <laughs> right. So yeah. Uh, the And I know the WNBA has always been super, uh, engaged in social issues and racial issues and talking about them, but it felt like it was at a next level. And I'm interested to know if it's because for the first time you all are in one place, able to congregate, able to learn, discuss all these things, issues that are near and dear to you all. And did that have an impact in the social activism we saw, uh, so widely from the WNBA this summer? You know, I think it would be silly of us to not think that that didn't have an impact. And Mm -hmm. I I personally, as a member of the executive committee and being able to represent these women, I was most excited about that, Mm -hmm. about 
having everyone available, you know, about being able to meet and congregate at any one time if necessary, which obviously was the case, have like, I guess, you know, with a week or two left of the season um, when we opted out of playing those games. And it was just, it was, it was definitely, it wasn't what we expected. You know, we knew going in that we wanted to have the social justice committee and a commitment to amplifying our voices on behalf of um, the black and brown lives of men and women um, as we fight for social justice. Um, but I don't think we really knew what it would look like, you know? Yeah. And when we got in there, we just, we were happy to be equipped for whatever came. We had ideas about the initiatives we wanted to push, but as you know, so many things started happening. Right. You know, we were able to meet with um, Michelle Obama. We were able to meet with Tamika Palmer, Breonna Taylor's mom. Wow. Uh, we were able to meet with uh, Reverend Warnock down in Georgia. And then Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back. And like that all just kind of, those were all things that basically it showed what we were made of in the moment. You know, we weren't prepared for those moments, but it, it certainly drew to our identity in the past, as you said, Julie, you know, in terms of us always being members of our communities and also leaders in these types of issues as a league. Yeah. It, it almost felt like, and I loved it, but it was a middle finger to the shut up and dribble crowd. Like, yeah, okay you know what, <laughs> we're, we're not just gonna talk the talk, we're gonna walk the walk. Like you were like, to your point, you were diving in, you were learning, you were activating on issues that matter to you. Yeah, and, and in the same respect too, you know, we always know that our voices are amplified together on this platform because we play basketball. And for anyone to say, just shut up and play basketball. All right, no, that's not gonna happen. But also too, moving forward now, as people have recognized the WNBA in terms of social awareness and leaders of change. Okay, we do that, but we also hoop, you know? Like there's some <laughs> awesome basketball that people are seeing um, as we saw in the playoffs. And even throughout the season, there were some historical performances. And I think that that is, that is helping us shape our identity kind of on both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. How hard is it as the president of the Players Association to get everyone on the same page? Because you do have, you have international players, you have players of all different races, right? And these things are happening and evolving quickly. Mm -hmm. And clearly visceral emotional responses are happening. How hard is it to get everyone on the same page? Uh, I think, you know, in the beginning, it was, it was a challenge because I was navigating my role as the president while also understanding how we can be um, a union and a group of women who represent the league um, in so many other things. But as, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how we would have fared in the negotiating of a bubble and the execution of a bubble and what we came in there to do without the CBA negotiations right before that. Hmm. That is a big reason why we were able to kind of be in lockstep this year. Hmm. And through those negotiations, I have prided myself on um, being a leader that allows everyone to say something and allows every voice to be heard. And for me, in terms of my leadership style and also how we try to lead as an executive committee, getting everyone, I think, on the same page has more to do with listening than telling people what to do. Mm. Because Listen, listening, yeah. that doesn't exist in today's world. <laughs> how dare you talk such blasphemy? And that's yeah, a leader it, right there, listening. Listening has way more to do with I guess, unity, solidarity, or even just getting everybody, you know, in the same book, let alone the same page, you know? Mm. And I think that's what we truly learned um, this year, especially as we navigated these experiences in the bubble, you know? And 
it, that's it's fascinating. It's un, yeah, it's crazy. That's fascinating that it was kind of that trial run of the CBA. That's and, what it felt like. Well, and, and I'm sure so much of that too is people trust you are going to make decisions with their best intentions in mind, right? I think it's much easier to lead when the person who's leading, you're like, she's got my back. And I know I mean, that. I, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope. well, they lived through it with you with the CBA stuff. So then it's easier, I think, to galvanize and and get them all yeah. on the same page. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it, it is easier. And I think um, I got to say, too, like with our staff as a union, with Terry and um, the executive committee that we have, I mean, I, I, I consider us like real like rock stars because everyone brings something different and we all have a piece of the pie that that just really it just makes it just works so seamlessly the 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 group that we have and I'd have to say that that really started too with us getting Terry Jackson as our executive director and her expanding the EC because it used to be five but now it's seven Mm. and I think that really yeah seven players yeah yeah. so you have you have a wider voice yeah, we do have a wider voice. Was there a moment throughout the activism within the Wubble where you said to yourself, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now? Yeah, de- yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, definitely when we were entering Feld, the arena um, space, and we were we were the second game to be played on that day that we decided not to play the first day and dc and atlanta were it was like the clock was on and there was 30 minutes left and they were on the court just no one was dribbling nothing they were just talking about what it like what was more important at the time of course and always really um whether they wanted to play what it meant to them for what it meant to them to play um, the impact of Jacob Blake getting shot, and of course the heaviness of everything else. Being in a bubble, players having their kids there, you know, coaches also standing with the players about what they wanted to do and how how we could use this as a moment to kind of recollect ourselves and reflect on why we really came here, um, and also standing in solidarity with um, our brethren on the NBA side who had opted not to play as well. It was. It was, it was one of those moments that it, you just, you would never expect to be in that situation. Mm. And so you can, you just know in your, in your head that so many people are going to talk about that day and like have their accounts of it. And it'll really be kind of like a historical remembrance of that season, the year and, and where we went from there. Mm. And the oh. image of the entire league then afterwards in a gym together, linking arms. Yeah. That How powerful was, was that to be yeah. a part of? So I actually was at, I was doing the round table at Feld and then the players were on campus. So the EC, we were able to get the EC together. We were at Feld with Holly and we had the round table. And then um, I think that was on sports center. And then uh, the players all went to the uh, gym on campus and they got together. And of course they wore all of our shirts um, through collaboration with Phenomenal Woman. And it was, I mean, it was just, it, it was overwhelming, but it allowed us to take that time to really consider like what we came here to do. Yeah. And I think um, it was just such a, it was, it was such an inspiring space to be in very heavy, but inspiring space to be in, especially because it wasn't just the players. I mean, it was the coaches, the staff, like everybody. So yeah, it was, it was beautiful. You really learn the meaning of a family. It becomes an extended family, doesn't it? Exactly. In those in those moments that are so emotional. Speaking of family, uh, you are the oldest of four sisters. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about your other three sisters? It, d- describe Please. your sisters to me. You're the <laughs> oldest of four. Your other three sisters. Yeah, I'm the oldest of four. Um, the next oldest is Chine, and 
we both play on the LA Sparks, but she just started her new um, national radio show, Golik and Chine. Yes, with us know. at ESPN. <laughs> Very Is it Chine and Golik? I think it's Chine and Golik. Yes, your sister's it's name Chine first. Yeah, her, her name is first. So she's, I mean, she's breaking barriers in so many ways. Um, and broadcast, like, I mean, that is her calling for sure. And so I learned. Yes, she's so good. <laughs> I she's learned such so a much nut. from I her. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah. Shanae is definitely like the nut. Um, and then we have Chiso. Most people know her by Olivia. She just graduated Rice University and is now in Rice Business School. Um, and Played so ball there. D1 she baller. Played ball there. Yep, D1 baller, played ball there, um, and she is looking to enter a career in um, public, is it, I don't want to say public service, is that what it is? Chief, is that what it is? Pug- public policy, sorry, she's right here. Public, <laughs> public policy. <laughs> she's about to enter her PhD program, she's applying to- um, What? Yeah, to PhD, yeah, so she's like doing the whole school thing. Public policy is yeah. like, you know, she wants to be a politician one day? That kind of public so, policy? She doesn't want to be a politician, but um, I think she Help. wants to engage in, yeah, in like Help social public policy. Yeah, yeah, love it. Basically. Yes, yeah, Olivia. A consultant. Yeah. And then lastly, we have Erin Ma. Everyone knows her by Erica. She also just graduated Rice University. She's a year younger than Chisome. And um, I mean, if whatever, whatever award she could have gotten as a basketball player at Rice, she did. And as a student, she is currently, um, she got drafted to Minnesota Lynx, but was waived with uh, all of the waived players, you know, this pandemic season. Um, But there's interest in her entering a camp next year. So she's training to possibly, yeah, she's training to possibly get a training camp invite and also to plan the Nigerian national team. Um, All while she is currently uh, starting and continuing her first year of medical school at UT Southwestern in Dallas. What the hell so, is yeah. in the water at the Gwumake household? <laughs> I want to drink some of that water. Good so Lord. yeah, bottle it. That's in a nutshell. Bottle that water up and sell it is right. God. Shoot. I mean, you, your parents, they've done a terrible job with you for Peter and Iffy talk about your (laughs) folks. They're amazing too. Yeah. They're awesome. Um, my dad is, um, I think 20 plus year he's been owning his own business. He's, um, a technological consulting engineer in Nigeria. Well, his business is in Nigeria, but he cut, he splits time between here and Nigeria Never misses a championship, never misses a game. That's my dad. And then my mom is currently um, a, I guess, a, an assistant superintendent. Yeah, I think that's what the, the title is in the district that we all went to school in. Oh. Um, and she just, um, she's now a doctor. She just got her PhD, her, her doctorate, that. her doctorate. Yeah, she just got her doctorate. So yeah. Dang. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> there, there's a point in your college career at the fine institution of Stanford University yes. that you talk about thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to go on to med school. I'm not gonna, going to play professionally. Like you really yeah. weren't thinking like, oh, this is a path for me. How, how is that? Um, With your immensely successful collegiate career. You went to four <laughs> final fours. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I think that it had a lot more to do with ignorance for me. I didn't know much about the professional avenue um, for women, especially Uh. in basketball. Um, But I I grew to know more as I became like a senior. And at that point, I had realized that, you know, there were some real opportunities here in the same way that basketball brought an opportunity for me to get a, a scholarship from Stanford. Um, I also saw that there were opportunities for me to be able to play professionally, make great money and kind of see where life goes from there. But um, yeah, I, I think that my way what of convinced then, you to do it, to, you, to make that shenaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How yeah. so? What'd you do? I mean, she, she literally came to me and it was after like, I think it was after, I remember it was a particular game my senior year. Um, I had like 40 points against Tennessee at Stanford and Shanae was like, (laughs) 
Shanae was like, you, you do realize that you're going to get drafted number one. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? She was like, are you kidding me? She was like, there, I'm not going to let you not enter. She was like, you're already on track to graduate early. So, I mean, let's just see what happened. Oh, and bless sisters. That <laughs> at that point, I was like, forward. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and then you go on i think it turned out pretty well you get drafted number one you're rookie of the year your first year fifth year your mvp you also win a title that year you're now president of the players association i'm thinking it went okay i don't know yeah i'm not complaining i'm i'm, I'm def i definitely feel very blessed so that's that's for sure on top of i didn't even mention neca the historic collective bargaining agreement that you helped negotiate in January of 2020. You mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but let's just dive into that a little bit more because what I find, and Lynn and I have discussed this a lot, what we find fascinating is what it means to women who are often in this position of negotiating, who, mm -hmm. and, and I know I speak for a lot of women and I speak for myself. It's a very uncomfortable position to be put in. We don't like to, as women often don't, uh, you know, say how great we are and <laughs> how we deserve more money and all these things. We don't self-advocate very well. So what did you learn in this process that you could possibly share? And what are you most proud of with this historic collective bargaining agreement? You know, you know, and I want to kind of point to what you just said about how like women have a hard time valuing themselves. That is learned. That is learned. And mm. I think that that's something that's conditioned. I think that's something that we have to get out of. Yep. And you're right. It was not only was it daunting because we were trying to value ourselves in what we considered quite dark territory. Um, but two, for many of us, that was the first time we were, you know, so closely acquainted with negotiating in like in, in general, when it came to like a collective bargain agreement, you know, you always talk about as a player, you always hear like, Oh, the, the collective bargain agreement is it's expiring. We have to renew it. And, you know, we have to renegotiate. And then they tell you to hop on all these emails, hop on all these calls, talk to your agent. And you're not really thinking much about it, but this was the first time that I think, we had so many people truly engaged mm -hmm. and especially with how this league has been growing and where we see it evolving and progressing too, it's certainly aligned with us breaking the stigma of asking for your worth and for mm -hmm. your value. And so the negotiation process was, it was an, an it was a huge learning experience um, because there were just, there were certain processes that we didn't understand you necessarily had to go through to get to, you know, the desired outcome. Um, and through that, we were able to listen to players about what was most important to them and be able to truly, you know, express that in what we wanted and also depict it in the agreement. Granted, you don't get everything, but if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. And so that's something that we learned all the way to the very end. I mean, when I tell you like the very end, like the very end, like <laughs> literally the day, like the day I was going on GMA, the very end. Oh, really? You already was, had yeah. GMA <laughs> and you were still negotiating? It was a process. Um, it was like that we were trying to still tighten stuff up towards the very end. And you know, as a player, you're like, oh, fourth quarter, buzzers off, like everything's over. No, that's not how it was. Um, it's probably good you had cool. Robin Roberts as your deadline to move it along, right? Yeah, she helped a lot. <laughs> I love what you said, though. If you don't ask, the answer is no. Yeah, that's just really what it is. And I think something that we learned, too, is something that, oh, that women have to get past is this idea of clawing your way to the top. Um, I think that that's kind of a patriarchal frame of mind that might've worked obviously for, you know, business and this country as it pertains to white men. You know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, he was an asshole and <laughs> look at him. He's, he's made of millions, you know? Sometimes you gotta tear people down. 
No, especially for women, it doesn't work because, because if you have those who are already not given an equal piece of the pie, tearing each other's pieces up, then it's like, what does anyone have? You know? And I think that as, as players linking arms, coming together, um, those who have higher, bigger platforms or have more privilege, speaking up for those who don't, making space for those who don't necessarily have that platform of privilege, and also understanding that we're like all in this together. And, and us doing that was able to, we were able to make some things happen. So president of Players Association, let's just do this thread real quick. President oh of you know the league one day, possibly. And let's continue the thread, shall we? Why not think bigger with that? President of the United States one day. Come on. That sounds that sounds very stressful. I thought you were gonna say that sounds really good. <laughs> I thought you were going that way too. I was like, yes, we got her. You're not the first person who has said that, but you know See? I've always yep. learned like you don't close doors. You don't close doors. So See? all right. Yeah. I take that as a yes, Julie. Fantastic <laughs> idea. We need Shanae to come in right now and say, yeah, Yeah. she'd be like, yep, she's there. No, you, you have, you have such a sensible measured way, which is, I think also, um, beautiful. Thank you. Do not shut that door, sister. (laughs) You walk right through that. (laughs) I mean, I'll leave it open. Okay. Thank you. You heard it here. I'm going to take credit when you are president. I'll be your chief of staff. Lynn would like to run all your comms. Perfect. (laughs) We're set. You got a whole team. Um, All right. Are you ready, NECA, for some competition? Because I know you've been out of the wobble for a little bit. You You might be a little rusty with your competitive edge, but I have brought mine. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. I'm 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 ready to delve into some competitive, you know, natured things right now. So did you let's bring a it. noisemaker of any sort? <laughs> I did. Do you guys want to see it? Yes, please. Yes, okay, please. So I had I had a fan, a, a Sparks fan, make this for me when I was first elected as president, and so I'm in my second term now. But I have it's a gavel, a gavel <laughs> with my name on it. Amazing. It says, what, does it say president? What does it say? Yeah. Oh, WNBA president. And this has NBA. my name on it. Oh, yeah. fantastic. So like, this is probably perfect. You know what? I'm going to say this is the first time we have had a gavel on the show. <laughs> right? I'm glad to be the first. I think best noisemaker yet. Yeah. Although mine, because I have a problem with donuts, NECA, as you may or may not know, uh, I have a. I have a problem with donuts. Oh, <gasps> shut up. You do? I knew I loved you. Could I you need to go to any- Donut Friend in LA. Oh, uh, JD donut Flannels friend. when you come down here this way, when you're cruising okay. down South Orange County. Donut Friend, I haven't been there. Um, uh, yeah, see, typically when in like better times, we would be sitting at your kitchen table in Houston with a bunch of donuts and coffee. So I mean, it. rain check. Rain check, thank you. Yes. Pandemic check. Pandemic check. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lynn. Becca, here, here is the deal with the game. We Every podcast, we play a trivia game in which the guest goes head-to-head with Julie. Ooh. There will be five questions. Okay. First person to three correct answers wins. All of them are multiple choice. If you think you know the answer, you can make a noise at any point in the question. Okay. All right, cool. Ooh. I got to make sure my hand's on the Trivia speaker. is not my strength. Oh, mine either. Good. I'm going to beat you. <laughs> I'm going to okay, say I'll... this is the most random trivia topic I've done yet. Oh, oh the perfect. The theme is to tree or not to tree. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh-oh. Since you both went to Stanford and you have the most ridiculous mascot, a tree. Is it though? Is it ridiculous? It though? is not ridiculous. ridiculous. I am offended by that. Everybody Are you say that? I, a tree is a that. great mascot. Yeah. Anyway, it's fine. <gasps> Can I say random? Is random fair? Random random works better. Okay. okay. I shouldn't judge the tree. Yeah, do not judge the tree. Okay. <laughs> so all of these questions are about trees. Oh, God. Uh, sweet Jesus, we may not get one. Okay, go. Okay. 
We're running out of time. Number one, how many trees are there in the world? A, three billion, B, three trillion, or C, three quadri quadrillion? I'm just gonna guess, A. Incorrect. Oh! B, whatever Correct. What? Three Correct, three trillion trees. You gotta hit that gavel, NECA. I'm gonna beat you with Dang. my squeak. Okay. I can't number, even hear that thing. <laughs> number wait, hit, two. Wait, let me hear the gavel real quick. Okay, good. Okay. Number two. The Hyperion tree is considered the world's tallest known living tree measuring 380 feet. Where does it reside? Is it A, California, B, Ireland, or C, Alaska? NECA. Ireland? Incorrect. Wow. <laughs> California. Correct. <laughs> yes, too. Oh I told you season four, I was bringing it this year. Usually I okay, lose every game, right. NECA. Hey, NECA, if you lose the next one, you're out. You're done. Just saying. I sweep. It's not happening. We're going to do this. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Number three, what is America's national tree? Is it A, the redwood, B, the oak, or C, the buckeye? Julie. She, redwood. Incorrect. Oh, come on. What? Mecca. Is it the oak, oak tree? Correct. Yeah. Still alive. I sense a I comeback. I was surprised you said redwood. Really? Maybe that's our state yeah. tree. Is that the California yeah. tree? The redwoods are like it's somewhere in California. They yeah. have a lot of redwoods in in the Stanford area. Yeah, in Northern Cal, they're everywhere. Okay. Okay. All right. The cool. Oak. I did not know that. Sorry. I am a patriot still. Question four: <laughs> What trees famously bloom in Washington D.C. in the springtime? Oh, oh. A. Cherry trees. B. Red <laughs> pines. Or C. Sycamores. I think Julie. she's gonna get this right. Cherry! Correct. Good game. Good game. I'm not a sore loser. Good game. Thank you, Nika. Thank you. I am a sore winner, according to Lynn. She says I celebrate way too much. <laughs> I was okay. like, hell no, I am celebrating. I literally <laughs> never win. So I'm going to start celebrating. Season four, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. Okay. You have to go on a streak. I got to put my glasses on for most pressing questions. NECA, favorite okay. nickname, Chef Neck. Erica, I believe must have given you that. Maybe I saw her on YouTube. I think I feel like she's going to ever be a YouTube. It, it, I've had Chef Neck for a while. I have a lot of nicknames though. Madam President. I know. Question mm -hmm. Queen. I saw. What else am I missing? That's from Tara. Yeah. I have a lot of nicknames. Um, neck, Neck Neck, Neckinator, Guma, Chef Neck, Madam President. DJ Nasty, Question Queen, um, Hi Booty. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of nicknames. I have a lot of nicknames. <laughs> we could do an entire podcast with you explaining how you got each nickname. Neckinator? What was it? Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is my favorite one? Mm, 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 mm. I'm not gonna lie, Madam President, it hey, makes me laugh. It see? makes me, it makes me laugh every time someone says that because I'm like, stop. You should just tell people like I will only be addressed from now on, henceforth, as Madam President. One of my teammates only calls me that. I'm just like, that's enough. Oh, I like okay. that. I'm joining the Madam President bandwagon yeah. from now on. Okay. That's the one I was going to recommend if you didn't get there yourself. Um, <laughs> I understand you also almost went to med school. I almost went to med school, or at Ooh. least the medical route. But I have to ask you how many times, because I must have done this at least 100, how many mm -hmm. times in your career as the president of the Players Association did you think, why didn't I just go to law school? Oh, No. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Do you know how much money we would have saved? 
I know we yeah we yeah, we would have saved a lot but like no I didn't actually think I haven't thought that oh I think that all the time still today really yes like god law school Ugh. it's all written in this such you know legalese I'm like what is this jargon yeah, okay yeah our last segment with my glasses off, I don't need it. Uh, our last segment we do is called High Low Cheer on the podcast. And this comes from something I steal from our dinner table with my kids. We do their oh, high cool. of the day, low of the day. And the cheer is someone that they're grateful for. So for you, mm-hmm. your high, low cheer, high of your career, low of your career. And the cheer is for someone you are grateful for who's helped you along the way. Okay. High of my career. There's there's a lot. There's a tie. It's like very close. There's there's moments that are edging edging things out. But I, I'd have to say like 2016. Like yeah. I mean, that whole year was just fantastic. And that's not just WNBA because I also won a Euroleague championship that year too. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Um, low. Um, Low was probably the year that I missed the all-star game because I found out halfway through the season that I had played half of the season with mono. Oh my that, gosh. That was very difficult. Yeah. And it was, it was low because not, I mean, obviously I felt horrible, but like they didn't actually figure out what was wrong with me until the season was over. Uh, so that was tough. So they misdiagnosed it for half the season. It's not like they misdiagnosed it, but like, I guess that it had run its course to the point where it was hard for them to figure out what was happening. Cause I think I had caught it in Russia and then I came back and started, you know, like you only have like a week in between. I had started playing. I thought I was just kind of like tired, like from like playing years, years after year. But um, yeah, towards the end of the season, they finally figured out, but I missed the all-star game. It was, it was tough. That was a low. Um, And then in terms of cheer, Hmm. I probably have to cheer for Chanae. No, yeah, definitely cheer for Chanae because she, like, she's she's the one person in my life that I can I can talk to about what I'm experiencing because we our careers so closely match. Mm -hmm. You know, our our personal experiences. Of course, we went different ways, but then also for me to be able to confide in someone who's you know in front of the camera in the media and such and um and for me to learn from her too from what she does because I could never do what she does like I don't know how she does it studies is always on giving her best um in that regard so definitely a cheer and I mean I'm just very proud of where her career has gone like and it's crazy because it's literally the beginning for her. Yeah, so I was just gonna say yeah. it's just started. I it's mean, insane. the sky is the limit for her. Or as we used right. to say, why does the sky even have to be the limit? Exactly. Um, I I, uh, I love that you were on and surprised her for her first day of her radio show. <laughs> where she got she had like, no idea. Yeah, and she got really emotional. <laughs> I was listening and watching. I was like, oh, this is the best. She was shocked because I had like called her. I had like called her while she was prepping before she got went on and I was like oh dang sorry I was trying to talk to you before your show and then I pop on and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> and she had no idea Chanae doesn't like surprises so yeah it was great uh, so good so good all right my dear thank you so much for taking the time NECA thank you it was so great seeing Madam you Madam President you. 2024 let's uh, see it <laughs> 24 oh. yeah, why not <laughs> I think that's very doable. Would they elect a 34-year-old president? <laughs> Let's go, NACA. It started here. Woo! We're taking credit. One correction we must make to the 2024 NACA for President campaign. Yes. You can't be 34. We discovered after. Lynn, good job on this. Capital J for journalist. <laughs> Discovered. I referenced the Google, and you do have to be at least 35 <laughs> to be president of yeah. the United States. So we're going NECA for president 2028. Yes, we are. Because then she'll be 39. Do the math. Or 38. Uh, 39. 
34. Oh, wait. <laughs> You're right, 38. <laughs> this is why calculators exist. Okay. <laughs> All right, NECA. 2028, sister. Um, takeaways. You want me to go? Go for it. Oh, gosh. Um, one, just as someone who's lived through a lot of CBA negotiations, a lot of contentious battles, a lot of trying to gather people and get them on the same page, to hear her talk about being able to do that for an entire league. And I did that in a form of a national team. Uh, and it's still tough trying to get just a team on the same page because it does get contentious and it can get ugly and people get scared and, you know, and there's divisions that are created. And so for her to be able to uh, bring that whole league together in the way she has as president, I find remarkable and commendable because it's not easy. And then for her to bring to the table what she did with Kathy and the WNBA and in this latest round of negotiations and strike one of the most historic CBAs, the, the most historic CBA for, for of course, the WNBA, um, I thought was also incredible. So, On that note, my takeaway would be when she talked about her leadership style mm-hmm. and the importance of listening, listening, listening thought that was that was really a great insight and Mm -hmm. then uh from a personal standpoint i became um an even bigger fan of the WNBA after this summer and seeing what they accomplished in the wobble on the court the basketball was phenomenal but what they did as you said coming together as an entire league and clearly NECA had a big role in that Mm -hmm. yeah and i should have said that not just with cba but all that they've done on the activism side as well um all right questions permitted lynn what do we got this question comes from twitter via at coach la 15 she says proud and loyal member of the dope village yeah love la 15 dope village swag when can I purchase a sweet t-shirt? We've gotten I, this question I know. before. I think the answer is we agree with you. We need swag. We <laughs> haven't quite gotten there yet. And maybe we need to make a push for it. Oh, at Coach LA 15. I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, the answer is that we've hit some bureaucratic red tape and can't really get it done. There you have it. We're going to work on it. We are working on it. We will work That's on it. That's a better answer, Lynn. Yeah, I think this question will get us motivated to revisit the topic. It is something we have brought up. So I agree. I would love I would love a t-shirt that just said hashtag Dope Village on it. I mean, do, why don't we even go through the proper channels? Why don't we just do it? Hashtag Dope Village. LP, baby. <laughs> Little LP on the back. I like it. And with that, we will close out the show. Be sure to hit us up on social media. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on our Apple podcast page. If you listen on other platforms, we thank you and ask you to share your favorite episode with at least 10 people. It will bring you good luck. Thank you to our sponsors, Ally Bank and Dick Sporting Goods for supporting Laughter Permitted and our Dope Village. Please support both of those sponsors. And a shout out to Kate Diaz, a Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy alum, for our theme music. And as always, remember, kids, sing it with us. Laughter Permitted. Wake up to the best sports story you'll hear all day. Monday through Friday, host Pablo Torre brings you an inside look at the most interesting story at ESPN as told by the top reporters and insiders. That's ESPN Daily. Subscribe and listen along, with laughter permitted, wherever you get your podcasts.